Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. We've got a great episode for you. Matt Herdlicka is on uh, a little bit later. He's our guest. We talk everything um, having to do with you know what we're going to be watching for for the second half of this season. Um, everything from lineups to or particular players uh, looking towards the future as well as two weeks from now, the trade deadline. We talk uh, a little bit about what the Grizzlies could do in the trade deadline, so stick around for that. Um, but as we kick things off, uh, Brantley is in the house. What's up? Let's go. Hey, Ty. Grizz. Grizz. Um, all right. We got a lot to get to, so we're going to just go ahead and hit it. Um, as we said last week, uh, the, the second half schedule had just dropped. Just to remind you guys... Um, some of the absurdity that we're going to be watching uh, for the next three months and change. We have 40 games in 68 days. We played one of those 40 last night in a win against the Wizards. Um, it's the most games in the NBA uh, for the rest of the season for any team. 18 are at home, 22 are on the road. We have a seven-game road trip next month. Uh, it ties the longest for the Grizzlies uh, franchise. It's it's the longest in the Memphis era do you want to go on it? You want to go try? You want to follow around the seven the seven games? Grizzden Pod field trip, <laughs> all around, and then uh, that also includes eleven back to backs. There is not a time throughout the next uh, sixty eight days that the Grizzlies will have two days off in a row. Um, so get ready for tired legs. But as of last night, it looks like the team is ready to embrace it. They're ready to embrace the pandemonium. Um, so that's. That's the big news. Not a lot to, to talk about from a Grizzlies perspective over All-Star Weekend. It was pretty cool seeing Mike Conley almost take down the greatest shooter of all time uh, in the three-point contest, and it was just great to see Mike. Uh, but that's kind of Grizz-adjacent news. Um, let's talk injuries. Uh, Grayson is back. He's been listed out for a concussion. He should be back tomorrow. However, there is one name that has been lingering on the trade deadline, and that's Jaron Jackson Jr., He's still recovering from his meniscus surgery. It's been eight months since he had um, that injury. Normal timeline for uh, what you could expect on, on average is about six. So we're already over time. Chris Harrington tweeted out today from a source that um, we uh, it could very well be April before we get legitimate news about when Jaron is coming back. It has caused... Uh, Grizz social to go up in in conspiracy. Where do you stand, Will? Where do you stand? Um, you know what? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what to think. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not. Uh, Jaron, I would love to see him on the floor because um, as we talk about just a little bit, not to spoil anything, but this season... Uh, not spoil anything from our interview, but this season is so much about data accumulation. And without Jaron, there's a lot of questions out there that we can't answer Take until we data. see him. So, um, guys, bef- before we get into you know the games and how we've performed, what do, you, do what are your thoughts on Jaron for real? Like, do y'all have any, or or has this news come as a surprise, or, or what what are we to think? Like it, it feels weird because I think we were expecting him to be back sooner. But here's the thing. In sports, well-run franchises don't reveal 
their information on these types of things. Who are those franchises that you think of? The Knicks. Just kidding. Okay, great. Joking. Yeah. That's Spurs. Not, Spurs. New Spurs. England. New England. Patriots, that is. The, the Roll Tide, the Bama Tide. They don't talk about this stuff because it gives an edge. I mean, Ty and I were talking about this beforehand. It's like all of a sudden Justice was on the PR reveal and like like a week before Taylor was acting, Coach Jenkins was acting like Justice wasn't even really practicing that much. So, like, this is to me strategy. I'm not going to get emotional about it. It does sort of feel strange that we don't know things, and I think that is okay. What about you, Ty? Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, I mean, of course we want him to play. Of course we want to know every detail. Like, there's a reason we reload our Twitter feed all the time trying to figure out what's going on. And we're, like, anxiously awaiting the Grizzlies PR tweet. But to Brantley's point, like, in the grand scheme of things, this is okay. It's okay. And I think where Grizz fans can get into trouble is that they project things and they assume things. Um, and I think assumptions are a really dangerous road to go down when it comes to stuff like this. Yep. I I agree. It's, it's one of those things where um, it's easy. It can, it can be easy to manipulate this news and, and make it something that it's not. But history at least in the last, you know, year and a half to two years with this new regime has shown that they're just not going to reveal anything. And it doesn't mean that anything is necessarily wrong. Uh, it could, but we don't know, and we're not supposed to know. And so um, if you're looking for super hot takes on, on Jaron in this situation, um, keep looking. We're in we're in the warm take business. Here. Yeah, don't listen to this podcast because we're not going to give you here. Here's the hot take: the people that are used to having information to be able to talk about this stuff aren't getting it. There you go. Um, since we last spoke, there were a lot of positive vibes on this podcast in the last episode, and it was fun watching that Clippers win. The next night, it was complete opposite. It was just a twenty point uh, shellacking by the Clippers. Uh, that was back on in February on February 26th. Uh, the next couple of games, we played some bad teams away with the Rockets. That was um, set some, some records for how badly we beat the Rockets. It was 49 points. Um, it was just a blast to watch that game. Uh, at the Wizards, we won 125 to 111 on the 2nd of March. And then I was actually in attendance for my first Grizzlies game uh, since 2020. Uh, at it was the Bucks game. It was the game right you before the All Star break. It was unbelievable. I didn't know you went to that. I did. I yeah, did. We were texting about it, dude. Where were you? I appreciate yeah. that invite, man. Hey, listen. It was called date uh, night. It was. Ooh. My, like uh, I said, appreciate that invite, my man. My wife is a giant Giannis fan. Uh, For she real? loves the Grizzlies. However, her favorite non-Grizzly is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I can respect that. Can she yeah. say his last name correctly? She can. Okay. She can spell it too. She can practice. <laughs> Well, granted, I don't know. Can if we I get? Can we bring it. her on the pod? We'll right do a now spelling bee. Grizzly spelling bee. <laughs> uh, that would be fun. Uh, no, but we. Hey, Allison. It was interesting because uh, I was going to give like a quick report on what it looked like. You know, you have to wear your mask the whole time. It was funny because you get to the stadium. We were planning on getting there a little bit early, um, and we got there. Was not the lines were not bad at all. Uh, however, when you get to the front door, they have a guy. And he's walking around 
and there's this laminated piece of paper, and it has a giant QR code. You have to scan the QR code. Both of you have to do this. Before you walk in, you have to take this like Google form quiz on COVID, and if you've had symptoms in the last however long, um, and you have to then walk in and you show the green, big, giant green check mark that shows that you've passed the test before you walk in. I thought that was a little interesting. Technology, man. Yeah. QR codes, Google Forms. I mean, expert stuff. Uh, but we got, a, got up to our seats. Um, they don't allow any food or drink in the stands. So if you want a beer and you order the beer, you got to finish it before you walk back in. That was that was a wrinkle I didn't expect. So you shotgunned. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. That was the best game you've ever been to. I saw someone else get... Um, you know, blocked from coming in, and I, I luckily did not spend fifteen dollars on a beer and then had to shotgun. Um, however, you get used to the mask. It was a really fun game, and I think that's part of it. Is if the game's fun, it doesn't matter. And just seeing the Grizzlies live again was fantastic. And that game, I thought was was a reminder both of how good Drew Holiday is, but also how good John ja Morant is. Uh, he took over. At the end, um, and remind and that was uh, he had thirty five points in that game, um, as well as the Wizards game, and uh, he just re- it was just a good reminder of Jaw's really good, and so is Giannis, by the way, <laughs> but Jaw Morant is is very good. Did yeah, y'all get to watch that game? I did, and I think it was fun for me on the the Jaw part. We haven't really been just harping on him a ton because. His injury, it sort of took him, I think, a little while back to maybe get back to what we have come to expect. And the past couple games with Ja, we've we've been seeing that in that Bucks game, him going toe to toe with some of the best in the league. It was great to see it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite. He got a switch on the Giannis at least twice in that game, in the second half, like kind of down the stretch, and. Did the classic, like, jaw, took two dribbles back towards half court, sized him up, did the jab right, kept the ball in his left hand the whole time, and did this lefty scoop layup right by Giannis, who's defending defensive player of the year. And jaw was basically like, yep, um, this is, come at me. I'm at your level. Yeah, come on with it. And last night against the Wizards, jaw's kind of getting his pet back. Like, he's getting the swag back. He's feeling himself a little bit, and that's been super fun to watch too. Like the fake behind-the-back pass to oh, Brandon at the top of the key. gorgeous. Like literally three wizards turning their heads, and then he did this wraparound, put some English on it, drop down to Xavier for the dunk. Like he's getting back to it, and it's super fun to watch because when Jaws like really feeling it and really locked in, the Grizzlies are maybe the most fun – team in the league to watch i'd argue yep for sure and that, that's the last win we were gonna or the last game we were gonna talk about was that wizards win last night um they let it get a little interesting there in the third quarter for just a minute but they were pretty much in control that entire game um so that was fun we got another game coming just tomorrow night probably today when you're listening to this podcast against the denver nuggets my favorite non-grizzly nicole Jokic. so that'll yeah. be fun yeah it's great um the Wiz. one thing i want to point out Jonas was great he was. But let's give some love to Desmond Bain. Mm. 
The 22-year-old rookie shooting 46% from Career three. High, 20 points. Went five for eight from three. Hit five threes in a game. And as Brantley always references, he just wants a guy that when it leaves his hand, you know it's going in. You know it. Desmond Bain is that guy. As soon as it leaves his fingertips, it's you're statistical. just like, this is it. It's just going to go in. He was born in the dark. <laughs> It's just awesome to see a guy play within his role. Um, he was everywhere last night, too. Played great defense, ran the floor well, and just hit open shots. Like, it's amazing that when you do your role, how good you can look, especially next to a guy like Ja. He's such a great fit. And it's, it's just, it's yeah, it's just awesome. Huge Bane guy. This is this is a Desmond Bain podcast. This is an official stance of the Grizzdom pod. Can we all say <laughs> that? <laughs> like I'd official. sign my name on that. Yeah, thanks. Um, all right, we got a great interview on the other side with Matt Hardlicka. We hope you enjoy it. We'll talk to you uh, after that. We now welcome on a very special guest. He is Matt Hardlicka. You might have read his work um, or uh, have might might have read his tweets. Um, he he is definitely in the uh, Grizzlies Twitterverse. Matt, welcome to the Grizzden Pod. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys. Absolutely. First time. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully not the last. Um, but yeah, Matt, we just wanted to start off by, um, you know, hearing about first how you became a Grizzlies fan. Um, and then you you uh, write from time to time on, on a Patreon page. And I'd love to get your, um, you know, your story with that. And then also let people know um, where they can where they can find that work, how, how they can subscribe and everything going on with that. Yeah, so I I've been a Grizzlies fan basically since the beginning. Um, my first my first interaction I went to Rhodes in Memphis yeah. and uh, was actually I played football there and we had three a day practices and I remember my freshman year being stuck in the dungeon of the of the what we called the BCLC, which is basically our athletic center. And I was just in, we were in between morning practices and I had to get back out there and I was just dead. I was like questioning my life, questioning why I wanted to play college football. It was, I mean, Memphis was setting heat records in August and like, this was like 2001, 2000, like around that time. And I swear in like this haze, this huge man steps over me and I look up and I just like, I swear I'm hallucinating because I was like, that looked like Shane Battier that just stepped over me what's going on like i and i anyway they were practicing at Rhodes' uh college uh do, uh like our basketball court yeah. because you know the fedex form hadn't even been built yet and they didn't have full access to the pyramid back before the pyramid was a fast pro shop and so yeah that was my first interaction i was like oh man cool like that was that was an nba player he just won you know the national championship and was college basketball player of the year so wow. Yeah, not that that became that not that that was my when I became a Grizzlies fan, but I was like, you know, if I stick around in Memphis, I'm going to I'm going to follow this and I I don't live in Memphis anymore. I live outside of Atlanta, but uh we I still I lived in Memphis for over 10 years and still have our business located there and so it, it's, you know, I'm I'm definitely what we call a Grizzlies expatriate, I guess. Yeah. So when did you start yeah. writing about the Grizzlies? Yeah, so I started writing for uh, Grizzly Bear Blues. Man, I don't even remember now. <laughs> it was a while ago. 
Um, then uh, editor Kevin Leip had asked me to come on. He was like, hey, man, I see your tweets. Certainly are writing a lot of these tweets. You might <laughs> you ever consider writing full length articles. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I was actually pretty hesitant at first. Cause I was, I was really, you know, I run, I run a small business and I'm really dedicated to our clients and our team. And I didn't want to take on more than I could. And I knew we were starting a family soon. So I was like, you know, as long as you don't put me on any kind of like schedule, I can probably like do this and make it work. And it worked for a while. And then I decided to break off on my own and do a Patreon page. And what I do there is I ask everybody to pay $2 a month for my content, but I really, I've always kind of given, try to do charity, you know, for different things. I hate kind of like, I don't always publicize what we give to. Sometimes I am in the mood and kind of feel like it's important to show where the money, where a lot of the money goes, Mm. but we uh, end up, I, I donate at least half of all the money to charity. I end up donating more than that. And it just, again, I don't want to be pinned down. So I always say at least half, but I end up giving most of it away. Uh, you know, and, and I'll tweet out sometimes a lot. One of our big ones is uh, Mid-South um, uh, Food Bank. Yeah. Um, a lot of hungry people around. Um, we've given to other Memphis area charities. We did a big fundraiser for... Um, Gosh, I can't even remember now. There's so many. Um, another one is uh, is um, oh man, it must be late. I'm kind of blanking here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, no. So we give we give a lot away, and uh, you know, it, it it just it it kind of makes me feel like we're I'm doing something with you know the time, and you know I appreciate everybody. It's kind of wild that even some even one person wants to give one dollar to read something that i write you know it's kind of it's flattering so well no it's definitely worth it and if you don't subscribe already you should absolutely go and subscribe not only for good content but also uh you'll be supporting some good causes in the process so um yeah that's great yeah um yeah matt so your last um piece slash article um however you want to phrase it so you came up with six questions um, to be looking kind of forward to for the second half of this season and kind of more so just beyond. Um, so I'm going to read off the six questions really quick. So number one is, can DeAnthony Melton play point on the second unit, which is really interesting. Two is, what or how good is the Grizzlies' best lineup? Three is, will Dylan Brooks calm down? And for all the people that normally listen to this podcast, we've – yeah, that's was, a question near and dear to our yeah, heart. It's the perfect summation <laughs> of what we talk about all the time. Um, four, does Brandon Clark get his mojo back? And <clears throat> you might have started something there because it's trending that way. Um, and then five, can Justice get to the cup? And then six, will the Grizzlies be buyers or sellers um, at the deadline, which is, I guess, is in two weeks or so. Yep. Um, so of those six questions, I just wanted to kind of ask which one are you most intrigued by um looking forward to in the next you know few months of this season so the one i think i I led with melton for a reason because he is you know he's gotten a couple dnps and a lot of people he's clearly a good player and he's clearly a productive player um I don't know if you guys listen to Verno's show, but Verno constantly is like, he is Tony Allen. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> I lived, I lived through this, you know, the coach, 
you know, you, you look at sometimes like what a player can't do and, they, and Melton has some weaknesses, but he just, you win when he's on the floor. Yep. So I get why he sometimes is squeezed out of the lineup in terms of like the attributes of all the players around him, because you need shooting on the court, especially without Jaron, you need shooting. The Grizzlies only the shooting basically comes from two guard shaped people. <laughs> they're, you know, yeah. they're, they're not that tall. You know, Desmond Bain is, is, is not that tall. Grayson Allen is not that tall. So you have to play one of them to get any shooting on the court. Yep. And then Jonas, Jonas is going to play and John's going to play. So, you know, really you're, you, if you're going to play Melton, you really are kind of making a choice to either not play him with job, which is fine you know, and, and play him at, you know, kind of along with one of those shooters or you're playing small and you're playing, you know, Grayson, they've done, they've done Grayson and Bain together. They've played Bain at small four, you know, small wing, whatever you want to call yeah. the three. Um, but Melton is too good to get squeezed. And so, and he's not good at, he is not, he struggles in the half court creating for others and creating for himself. He really is an, open court he's a great defensive player uh, on pretty much any guard you want to put him on he's great around around screens he's great at trailing people he has long arms he generates turnovers um he isn't good at guarding small forwards though so you know and he and he's, he struggles in the half court so you really need to play him with a point guard to yeah. keep your offense running unless you know we can i kind of uh, showed this like if if justice and Kyle, you get enough, you get enough from them, then you can say, okay, Melton, you go guard point guards. And that becomes like a real strength right. for the team. And then you can get your ball handling from Kyle. And I've kind of always like rolled my eyes at the whole Kyle point guard thing, because it's really like, okay, Kyle's bringing the ball up, but he really doesn't generate. He's not a person that generates like his own, uh, offense. He yeah. kind of like, if somebody generates a, if somebody makes space for him, he will attack that space and move the ball and like right. do something with it. And that's really valuable, but he's not usually the first guy. Um, but with justice now, and I kind of mentioned this, you know, if justice really can press an advantage and create an advantage and get to the rim, then Melton can play. It, it just becomes very easy to play Melton because you have somebody who can start the first crease and you're not relying on Melton or Kyle to do that. Um, and doing that, I mean, Tyus Jones is, is a great only backup point guard. Like you don't want him doing any more than just being a backup point guard and, and kind of like being a caretaker for the second unit. Yeah. But if you, he is extremely offensive limited, yep. like he, he can't shoot. He, he is great at not turning the ball over. He is a good defender. He is small. But if you can have those minutes go to Melton, you can still get your shooting at the two. And then you have, you know, you could play, shoot, Melton, Bain, both of the big forwards and, and pick your pick your big and you're off to the races. Like that's a good two-way lineup. So, yeah, for sure. You know, Melton is, Melton is the guy that I look at and I'm like, if he can just pick up one more skill – he really opens up a lot for this team. Yeah. And I love the fact that you mentioned that what he does when he like kind of breaks on the defense, what kind of pass can he make? What like secondary thing can he do? And we kind mm -hmm. of saw his like primary playmaking skills in the bubble without Tyus. And mm -hmm. it really shined a light on his, you know, limit there. Like he just can't be your primary 
creator and kind of what you were saying with Kyle, I don't know if he can be your primary creator, right? Probably both of them can do some secondary stuff. Um, yeah. but if you can add justice in the mix to kind of start some of the offense, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that could, D'Anthony's an interesting, yeah, like you kind of mentioned about the interesting fit too. It's just, I would love to see him play more with like a starting unit. And you mentioned later, like what are the Grizz kind of best lineups? We may get to that in a second. And Melton was definitely in that mix. And I agree with you there for sure. Um, but yeah, one thing you mentioned about um, Melton's just three point shot, right? You mentioned like, can he do that? Is he improving in that? And you were like, yeah, he kind of already is. So year one from three, he was 30%. Year two, he was 29%, which is pretty low volume as well. This year, he's jumped to 42.5, given decently mm-hmm. small sample, right? Only half of a shortened season. But that's four attempts a game. Um, if yeah. he can, I mean, because I just keep thinking like what, and you tweeted this kind of the Xavier Tillman slash Brandon Clark, like what are you looking forward to? You know, what skill could you kind of project forward? And my whole thing is what works with John Jaron? That's what mm-hmm. I kind of keep coming back to. And if DeAnthony can be just like a knockdown, spot up, catch and shoot three point shooter, I think mm-hmm. he can kind of enter into that that mold of maybe being able to play with those two guys. Yeah, yeah. So he would if if he just develops if the shot this year is real and it doesn't have to be forty two if it's just yeah respectable thirty seven and up maybe he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just anything that the defense will guard and he can hit enough of them to, like, maintain an offensive efficiency, then, yeah, you can play him at two guard. You don't even need him to play point. Yep. Um, you know, he can take the minutes with Bain, and, you know, you can have Grace, Grace and Allen becomes a luxury. Like, any team would love to have that guy who, you know, you just bring him in, and if he hits shots, great, he can stay. And if not, you know, he, he doesn't really do anything else. So, yep. you know which no shot that Grayson like that's that's a valuable player if you can if you can get it but but um, if you can get that and something right that's and something yes, right exactly right uh, one of the one of the roles that everybody's familiar with like the 3 and D role player and one of the things i've been kind of like working into my pieces is like the Grizzlies have a lot of potential 3 and D plus guys which it's like they can do like the three possibly and the D definitely, but they also bring us something else. Like that was kind of what I mentioned with Dylan Brooks. Like, is that his role? Is that his like perfect role where he, you know, he brings the defense and if he can just tamp down some of the shot hunting and increases efficiency, like the kid can make three pointers. He just takes bad ones. And if, if you could just, if you just harness that, and then say, and he's going to give you a little bit of creation and a little bit of toughness. Like, that is a really valuable player. Definitely. And if you think of, like, just playoff lineups, like a 6-7 wing that can potentially defend multiple positions. Like, Dylan has yeah has value, but like you mentioned in your piece, like he's 91st percentile in usage and 16th percentile in yeah, points can per we, shot. Can we that's talk uh, about the Dylan conundrum just for a few minutes? Because this is something, sure. Matt, that we, um, on this podcast, it has come up. Basically, once we have to limit ourselves to the number of minutes that we discuss Dylan, because we there's such a um, there's such a a contrast right now between um, what we feel, I guess, on a week to week basis. But the general theme is, you know, is this a player that I always use the analogy um, is the toothpaste already out of the tube and can you put it back? Like, is Dylan a guy Mm. 
that has developed in a he he his first year when he was drafted the team was terrible um I always say like the worst thing that could have ever happened to Dylan Brooks is scoring 19 points in his first game on a bad team because I feel (laughs) like that completely changed the trajectory of his um his confidence in taking shots that you shouldn't feel comfortable confident in taking and I think that it's just been so hard because of injury because of different things he's gotten almost more minutes um then he should have been more leash. And I think that's mm-hmm. just led to so many bad habits. And I think that the big question for us is, is it worth it? Um, is it worth it to have a guy like that who, who might take, um, or it, does he have the ability to take that step back on a mm-hmm. potential mm-hmm. playoff team that can make a run? Um, so I guess, yeah, let's talk about Dylan just for a second. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on him, but just projecting out, to the future because we expect this team what they're building right now to be the foundations of a, of a contender and, and do you yeah. see dylan brooks i guess on a contending grizzlies team so what i what can't happen is dylan this this dylan is not going to work on a 50 win team which is where the grizzlies are going they will you know god willing and you know there are no injuries and jaron comes back and these kids all develop like they're going to be a 50 win team eventually. It's just like they have too much talent to not be barring injury. So Dylan is not going to be playing like this on a 50 win team. He will either be playing differently or he'll be gone. They will have traded him because there is simply no way that you can shoot that much and it not go in. Like it's just right. You know, matter, no matter what else you bring to the table, it is not the juice. The juice is not worth the squeeze. Right. With that said, I I have been kind of like my whole thing is it, uh, preaching patience is kind of like you can preach it as much and and be wrong until you're right that kind of thing like right. I'm wrong right now saying like Dylan Dylan can change I don't know if he can change but what I do know is like the context of the team encourages him to play this way and we really need to see you know. Dylan playing not only in important games, but important games with a clear pecking order because he thinks he's good enough to do all that. And the coaches clearly, they don't penalize guys for taking bad shots. They just don't do that. And I actually, you know, it has not worked out with Dylan. You know, it is, it is leaned into some bad tendencies for him. A lot of the guys have benefited from that, though. That's a great point. And I think on on balance, like, you know, the worst thing – not the worst thing you can do, but with young guys, if you're yanking them around because they make mistakes, like, you can you can lean into a lot of bad tendencies that way. So Dylan isn't a young player anymore, but he's not – I don't think he's set in stone. Now, if we could – the clock is running out because this team is going to start trying to win. Like, as of next year – there's there are going to be expectations like I, I this was sort of like the last year of the team as I look at it that is like I I don't go into the game thinking oh man it's, it's a big game they got to win I go into it thinking yeah let's see like what we have here like I don't get too high or too low but like jaw is ready to win <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's like clearly next and next season like they cannot like if, if things don't work out they can't really start like Oh, you know, we're gonna trade away Jonas and try to get some picks, and like that, that 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 time is like gonna be over pretty soon. <laughs> you know, like we got to start 
building the talent base and gathering wins or, you know, not that Jaw's going to leave or anything, but it's just like, he's not going to settle for, you know, being a lottery team for too much longer. Like he wants to win and Jaron wants to win and these guys are ready. So, um, all that to say, you know, Dylan's time is kind of running out and that's why I kind of said like the second half of the season, especially once they get Jaron back is going to be like, if I could just see jaw Dylan, like justice, let's just say justice, Jaron and Jonas, that's enough of guys around Dylan that can generate offense. And if he's still shooting like (laughs) 20 shots or, you know, like that, I think that was his season high was like 20. Yeah. If he's shooting like 17 shots around those guys, like, I'm sorry, like next season, I don't know. We've coined the term Dillsaster, which is a game when Dylan uh, leads (laughs) the team in field goal attempts, shoots under 40% and has a negative plus minus like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uncanny how many of those we've seen. And I think that's, what's been frustrating, but I, I think generally we, we agree in the sense that time is running out and you've seen flashes. Like honestly, the game last night against the wizards, you saw what he can do when he's playing within himself and also causing wreaking havoc on the defensive end. And I think that's the upside. Um, It's just a matter of if you're going to be a contender, you know, seeing it night to night is important. And that is, Having a game like last night um, be an outlier is a little worrisome rather than the norm. But um, yeah, sure. yeah, as you say, you know, there's there's a little bit more time, I would say. Um, and I, can we talk too? I guess now about the the Brandon Clark Xavier Tillman uh, conundrum that you were you were discussing Oof. on Twitter. Um, could you give a, us a breakdown, sort of, of what your thoughts were there, and then we can get into uh, the discussion. Yeah, I don't know what the hell to do. <laughs> like, I, I think, I think they're both pretty good. I think that they're both like Tillman is good, despite the fact that he really isn't that good. Like he, he uh, yeah, he's he too he's too be. small. Yep. He shouldn't be. He especially for a twenty-one year old. Like he just plays. He plays beyond like his years. He's he he has these significant like he his rebounding numbers are terrible um which is not a good sign playing next to jaron and i i i never i don't really watch college basketball but god i wonder what those front courts with jaron and <laughs> yeah, they, tillman looked like like jaron how, just how did, fouled how, too much he was never in the game yeah. <laughs> there you go like he didn't he didn't they didn't actually play together he was just fouled yeah. <laughs> it was a lot um but yeah like you in a perfect world the bigs that play next to Jaron, assuming that Jaron's we, I, I think it's probably fair to say at this point that rebounding will never be like a huge Jaron is never going to be like Jonas where Jonas just gobbles yep. up rebounds. And, and Mark like, wasn't you know. either. And Mark, you know, had zebra right. to, yeah. So that... yeah. Um, it, and so like, you really do need, you're going to need at least one big man who can help with that when you need it. Like you don't rebounding is typically like the least valuable of all the skills, but I don't know, man, you would think that we would need somebody that could rebound it. And that's just not Tillman's the game, but he does so much other stuff. Um, His shot isn't there yet, but he's, he's pretty much the second best screener on the team. Like I think he's a better screener than Brandon is. Brandon's, Brandon is a good screener because everybody's just terrified of him dunking yeah, on him. Yeah, he's slipping. Like, he just draws. Yeah, he right, slips so right. fast. 
but Tillman hits guys and if he hits, he moves and he, he, he's just constantly moving. And like, like, honestly, I think we haven't given these guys enough credit for, um, how hard it has to be to stay like Tillman came off an injury in his rookie year and basically played his ass off and played himself into shape with, I can't imagine too much like, you know, on court time with, with coaches, like, you know, with doing COVID protocols and like getting tested three times a day. And like, they're not allowed to do that much outside of, you know, what, and there's just frankly not enough time to do a lot of stuff. And he, he played himself like he, he's a worker. And so I, I have optimism for both guys. I still think Clark is probably the better ceiling play. Yeah. And if you're looking at just pure, who is the better player? I think that's going to be Clark, but I also think Tillman's just going to be an NBA player for, we're going to like look up in 2028 and Tillman's going to still be in the league. And we're yeah. going to be like, damn man, he, he's pretty good. He's had a good career. He's made, a lot of money, you know? Yeah. So, um, I really don't envy, I feel like carrying both of those guys, especially on their next deals is going to be kind of a luxury. And I don't, if, if the front office, I'm not trying to make this like a, Hey, you got to trade one of them type thing. But if the front office has to make a deal, I don't envy them that decision. Cause like, if I had to make it right now, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And also, I think it was really smart on the front office immediately signing Xavier to a four-year deal. Um, sure. Kind of locks him up at a a low range. And I guess Brandon's kind of on the same deal too. I guess he's one year less, but that kind of team control. Um, but mm-hmm. kind of to that point too, you're right. Like they don't have to make a decision now, but at the same time, kind of coming off the conversation we just had, like things could change quick. Like we love reading – Chris Harrington stuff and he's like you can't really count on when a team is ready like yeah ideally John Jaron when they're 26 they're ready to do it but like you don't know when that is and you kind of need to maybe speed up the data accumulation faster than you think and alongside the Xavier Brandon Clark conversation we have kind of back to the the Bain um, Melton Grayson conversation right you have three guys that are different but play the same mm-hmm. position and at some point Chris Harrington's also talked about this is you have yeah the consolidation is going to happen um mm-hmm. so I just wanted mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on I know this is really early and probably an impossible thing to answer but from what you've seen um and from what you've watched and even projecting forward I know we kind of tweeted you about the similar um Brandon Clark Xavier Tillman between Bain and Melton what you're looking for down the road who is going to be a better prospect or fit with the team so of those three guards, um, two spot guys, who do you see? Who do you project to be better fit with the team long term? And if there was a consolidation trade, who would you suspect to be in that trade? And who would you suspect to to stay with the Grizz? Okay, um, I can tell you who <laughs> who I think is the is the least valuable of those players, and that's Grayson. Yeah, we agree uh, on that one, but for it's, sure. But it's just it's just flat out because he doesn't he doesn't do anything other than shoot, which like that is valuable. And I'm not shaming that in the least like, you know, a lot of teams would would like to have cost controlled shooter, you know. But, uh, yeah, he's clearly the least valuable of those three guys. But when he has it going, (laughs) you know, it's a different story. But uh, between Melton and Bain, I mean, that's kind of I 
I'll say this. I wouldn't train Desmond Bain for – it would take a lot because he – I agree, man. He has – he is cost control for four years, after which we have him as a restricted free agent. So, to, you know, he – basically we have him for his entire prime. He's an older rookie too. So yeah, so if 22. you just project out eight years, we have him until he's 29 or 30. Like that is, you know <laughs> – that's like what you want. The guy's already like a, an incredible shooter. Um, his defense is, is coming along. Like I think he thought he could, he knows where to be and he knows how to shoot passing lanes, but he didn't know how fast the ball moved early on. And he was, he's already gotten better at his angles and like, is he's not jumping out of position and missing piss tip passes and stuff. There was this tip pass, like, cross court he was eyeing this thing up like a safety and it, it, this was in the philly the philly win that we had late it was like the it was like an early fourth quarter and he was just creeping on this ben simmons pass and ben simmons is like 610 and just threw this looping pass all the way across court bain broke on it and had it except he forgot he's not tall enough to actually <laughs> intercept yeah, the ball yeah. and it's like Those he just arms, tips it man. like right he tipped it right out of bounds, but like he, and I noted that cause I was like, I was watching him on that play and he was just ready to, to pounce. He was like waiting for it. And it just, he hasn't done that since because he knows now, like at, at least as much, like he knows he can't get there. Yep. And so he's not, he's already kind of learning that stuff and he's going to just, he's going to make enough plays and he's not, he's already figured out what he can't do, which is good. I just think, I would probably even pick that Bain over Melton and I love Melton, but it's just strictly because Bain is already such a sure thing. And he, he, he is like the literal perfect low usage two guard to yeah. fit between John and, and Jaron. Yeah. And so that would be my, my, my thing. Yeah. And we had kind of mentioned like if Dylan played more like Bain, what would that look like? But I think that, yeah, the cat's out of the bag on that one. Um, but yeah, like people. Yeah, think that, of, that, that that's not going back. Yeah, never gonna happen. Um, yeah. but yeah, people laud DeAnthony for the on and off numbers and the net rating and stuff like that. But people also don't give Bain credit. He's second on our team in plus minus. He's also second yeah. on our team in net rating. Um, as a rookie, and mm-hmm. I just think the value there is insane. And the fact, like we were watching the game last night, and when they trapped Jaw right when he crossed half court. Jaw through the over the head pass to Bain in the corner. Like as soon as he mm-hmm. let it go, it's like there's zero doubt that this is going in. And that's so rare yeah. for a Grizzlies player to have that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna be vital next to Jaw too, because he needs you you just need shooters around him and, and having having that lock that shooter like just in the bag. Yeah. Like I wouldn't just, trade that for anything right now. Yeah. And I think we won't talk about this tonight, but I think that the Kispert Corey Kispert has I just man <laughs> ties already into next the year's dream. draft already going next year yeah the dream I I will say the the draft like I don't follow much college basketball but I tuned in early and I watched Gonzaga and I was like holy crap this yep. team is good like yeah. so like good. Kispert and Suggs just jumped I was like if there is a player better than Jalen Suggs, this oh, is an awesome draft. He's, a freak. Like, he's the most mature, mature-looking college basketball player I've seen in a long time. He looks like an NBA player. Yeah, I DM'd a couple people and I was like, 
tell me that Suggs is not a lottery pick. Yes, like, oh. please get please him to tell like me so so we can have a 10. chance at a right. And they were like, no, nah, he's top five pick. And I was like, Man. okay, yeah. so how many people are ahead of him? Because <laughs> that'll that'll tell me how awesome this draft is. Because this kid is awesome. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's something. So. Um, well, we can we can uh, begin to close up shop here, but the trade deadline is coming up in two weeks. Um, and your last question. Um, in your piece was, will the Grizzlies be buyers or sellers? So um, I'll just ask you, you know, that question. Do you think at this point that the Grizzlies could be buyers or do you think they could be sellers? So I will, when I was, the thing I was uh, getting into, um, I was actually writing right now my, I do this, I guess I will start making it a tradition. I, I rank the Grizzlies best 11 assets. And I'm working on that piece right now. It should it should come out tomorrow, but it's going to be my precursor to like sort of like a, hey, this is the trade deadline. This is kind of some stuff that they should kick around and like think about. I I hope that they I hope that they make a consolidation trade. I'm interested to see what Harrington says because we have this is one of those times I haven't even talked to him about it, and I'm I'm interested to know what what he what he thinks they will do or if he even kind of. He does a good job of threading the needle and not really putting his thumb on the scale and saying this is what they should do. But I uh, I think that they should make a consolidation trade, but one that sort of like threads the needle between now and then, which is sort of like I want them to – if there was a trade to be done between Gorgie and Brandon Clark – or not Brandon Clark, excuse me, Grayson, and maybe even like one of the other young guys that brings back – like the guy I look at, I had suggested Harrison Barnes earlier, and then suddenly everybody started suggesting Harrison Barnes trades. <laughs> yes. and like, like not not in Grizzlies, like not because of me, but just every like, team. I wants thought him. every team wants him now, and I was like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> I guess you guys all noticed he's shooting forty percent from three. Like, <laughs> like, um, but he in re- in all reality, the guy I keep coming back to because the thing the Grizzlies need is they need a an off the dribble three point threat. And I was never a Zach Levine guy. Yeah. Still, no, 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 no. Don't get, don't get too like. I don't oh, man. think that's he's ties, out guy. of. He is out of. He is better than he is playing yeah. better this year than I ever thought he would. We could never I still get him. I don't think. Thinking yes, exactly. Like I do not want to. I do not want to make a blockbuster trade. One of the things going through the Grizzlies uh, assets, it's like it's going to be very hard for them to get a superstar or a, a even an all star that works on the Josh Aaron timeline. And that might be Zach Levine, but I, I still am not like fully convinced and he's so expensive. It's like, that's your one shot because once you trade for him, you have to max him. Right. Because if you don't max it, if you trade for him, the agent knows you gave up assets, you have to max him and you have to max him like sooner rather than later. And then you take all the injury risk and it just like that. I would rather just wait and like let things develop and see if like something else pops and like make a better, we still don't know exactly what Jaron is. Like we, he's been hurt so much. We don't know like what type of players really, we know he's an awesome three point shooter. We don't even know how good of a defender he is. I would rather have a better picture of him and and some of the other guys. But one of the guys I look at as they need off the dribble three point shot as a threat and, and Eric Gordon is sitting out there, not Aaron Gordon, but Eric Mm. Gordon. And he has a terrible contract, but if you could get, if you could convince Houston 
that like if you just gave them Gorgie Gang's expiring contract and just said, look, your your owner is poor and needs money anyway, like we'll take his bad deal. We will we will also because we're we're saving Tillman for Tata tons of money so people don't have to go to Joe's Crab Shack, <laughs> you know, to to pay for pay for pay for uh, Eric Gordon's salary because it was a dumb contract to sign off on in the first place like just give us another one of your many first round picks it doesn't even have to be a high one bank an asset for the future get the three-point threat off the dribble now and just basically like live with the consequences of that deal but have the extra you know like they have a detroit first round pick that is like very heavily protected and won't convey until like 23 or 24 or 25 or something like that but having an extra first round pick in those years when the Grizzlies are going to be good would be a nice little like, oh, we don't have to like we have this other one that might be, you know, like it's lottery protected. It might be like the 17th or 18th pick in a draft where we are like the 24th or 25th yeah. pick. And suddenly you can trade two picks in one year and we have the Golden State pick. Yep. And so getting an extra future asset to like make it possible to trade for an all-star in the future is like what I want to do. It's not the sexy thing because this team is good. And like, I don't want to take a step back. Like I don't, I'm not sitting here saying like, we should trade Jonas for picks. We should tear it down. Like that's not it. It's what does it do? What can we do to maximize the ability to trade for an all-star in the future? And that's a hard trade to pull off and there aren't that many. Um, But that's what I would do. Uh, You, you asked about a John Collins trade before and I did. I hate I hate to break it to you. I cannot come up with one because Me neither. it's 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 the contract. If he was if he had two years left on his deal, like if you had another year of his rookie deal, I would maybe sign off on it. But bringing him, it it just creates a lot of problems. Like yeah. it, you, can you play fast anymore? Can you know how many? Maybe it would, uh, you know, bring in another high usage player would calm Dylan down. Maybe like, but you don't know that for sure. And maybe John Collins that could also go south. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just can't do it. Like the John Collins team, the team I want John Collins on is actually San Antonio. Like that would not for the Grizzlies, but just like, I want to see that. I want to see John Collins in San Antonio. That's what I want. With a bunch of just crazy athletic wings. Yes. Um, So another two other guys I know. So we'll kind of pass on the Aaron Gordon. Cause if John Collins doesn't fit, Aaron Gordon also doesn't fit. Um, (laughs) So I wanted to mention Laurie Markkinen and the fact that Mm. I don't even know what he is. I don't think anyone really knows what he is, but he's Mm -hmm. kind of like a guy that a lot of people have soured on. And Chicago is in a point to where they are also kind of trying to see what sticks and what doesn't. And it seems like they're not afraid to maybe part ways with what doesn't. And he seems like maybe one of those guys. And I think there's value for a 6'9", 6'10 guy who shoots 40% from three. Um, I was just wanting to pick your brain on that. Not just necessarily the deal specifically, but would you be interested in him on the on this current Grizzlies team? Who? Are you sure he shoots 40%? He did at <laughs> one point. I don't, I, he did at one point. Okay. There was a day that... Yeah. His, his like a month above there. 40. Yeah. yeah well, we okay. signed Dylan okay. off of a month. Good streak. So, hey. That's, that's true. It was about a month and a half. But, yeah, yeah that's right. a good Six point. Six weeks. Uh, so, yeah, Laurie Markkinen, that's, that's He's interesting. so tricky. I, have, I mean, I have thought about him, and basically with him, he needs to be more than a spot-up shooter on offense. His If he had 
any kind of like mid post like ISO game that you could use on second units, I would be a little bit more interested. Yeah. I have to also look at his defensive rebounding numbers because that's the thing. If, if, if you're signing him, if you're trading for him, it's the same Zach Levine thing. Yep. Not that you're going to max Laurie Markkinen, but you're, you're trading for him to, to extend him. And that extension is like, even if the league, even if the bulls have soured on him, and I think you're probably right about that. You, you have to have the, the entire NBA sour on him to, like you have to know what you're yeah, gonna his next deal is gonna be. So if that next deal is like ten million, then yeah, like let's do it and just figure it out and, and do a talent play. But I, I mean, like I think it's more like eighteen or something, you know. Just high draft picks get paid if they look and kind of feel like there might be a a chance at an all star in there. Right. And actually like you you brought up Aaron Gordon too, like I have been burned so many times. The Zach Levine thing really got me thinking if like, if the Grizzlies like really should, I haven't done a full like look around the league at, at potential guys, but it seems like a lot of these wings just develop late. Like Zach Levine's an idiot. Like he, he's always been a dumb player. He, he doesn't try on defense. Like I've seen last year, I was courtside of a Pelicans, uh, Bulls game and Zach Levine came off just dog cussing his entire team and coach like in the huddle just saying we suck F this F that and I was like man I'm out on this guy like this Mm. is I feel bad for these players like he is just letting them have it and he's above it and all this stuff but like sometimes these guys just first of all winning fixes a lot and and number two like sometimes these guys just figure it out and I wonder if Aaron Gordon's another one of those guys you know we always think that it's always a tricky thing about like, is, are they causing this? Are they part of the problem or are they, would they be better on a different team? And like, I just don't know. I think it's a gamble and maybe that is the kind of gamble that the Grizzlies should take. Like maybe Aaron Gordon comes to the Grizzlies and he's like, Oh man, Jaws a superstar. Like I need to change the way I play, you know? Um, so actually, Aaron Gordon is the one I was thinking about and just saying, like, maybe we can get him, you know, for Gorgie and the Utah pick and just yeah. add him here and see what happens. I don't know. So I mean, he, it, I let's see what happens. I think, you he, know, I think he's 18 million this year and then 18 million again, um, which is not awful for a quality starting. I guess I, that's the thing yeah. with him is like they tried to play him at the three. And it didn't really work well, but they've also tried to play him at the four, and that hasn't really worked great either. So maybe a right. new environment, because we also one other thing we've mentioned is like Oladipo. It took three teams, and then all of a sudden yeah. in Indiana, it was just everything popped, and that's happened multiple times. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think our culture and our environment that the Grizzlies are building, and I think from front office down to our you know our superstar moving forward and Josh, just everyone seems to be bought into what they're asked to do. Um, regardless mm-hmm. of what that is. And I feel like we could potentially bring in a player that maybe knows from the start, like, hey, this isn't, like, my team. Like, if you look at New Orleans, like, a lot of people have mentioned the Brandon Ingram, Zion, like, what's going on there? I think if we were to bring in, like, an Aaron Gordon, he would know, like, okay, this isn't, like, my team. I'm playing a role, and I need to play it yeah. well, and Jaw's kind of the guy here. Um, yep. And I think it – I know a lot of discussions been can Jaron play the five long term like you mentioned before. We don't know that yet. 
Um, right. But if, if Gordon could play some on the perimeter, um, A, we would be crazy long um, if he could play the three. And, yeah, I think it's just a new I, – I keep thinking back to players that teams are just kind of maybe like, we don't really know, we're not really into it that much. Could we mm-hmm. match an expiring, like you mentioned, Gorgie and the Utah first, or Gorgie and even Grayson and the Utah first? Like, what would that yeah. do? So we're just – I was just been trying to think through players and I want to hear your thoughts. Cause yeah, I think you, you look at the league in a very realistic way, which is hard to do as a fan sometimes. Um, so that's just helpful to start to. So we appreciate Well, that. you have to, you have to, you have to kill the fan inside of you first. It's the hardest <laughs> and then, thing. Yep. And then, and then you can look at things objectively and still you have to kind of kill it daily because you know, I, I say I'm, I sometimes like, you know, Dylan will have a bad game and I'll be like, man, just get this guy out. Like I can't deal with this anymore. I won't, I won't tweet it, but I will write the tweet and then delete it just to like make myself give myself a little catharsis. But we, you know, like, we write the tweet and then we retweet it. That's our problem. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Fire him if you got him. I that's guess. right. Well, Matt, we'll let you go on this. Um, speaking of kind of that, that battle, the inner battle between fan and also realist. And we have a lot of people, in our lives asking us, you know, what should we be cheering for in this particular Grizzly season? Cause it is such mm-hmm. a, an up and down there. The, the draft has been um, heavily praised already. Um, and we're in that position where, you know, things could go one of two ways, depending on, on what, you know, cuts where. So if you're, if you're just thinking about this season and somebody were to come up to you, and pose that question, you know, what should we be, be cheering for? What, what in your head is the ideal result of this season? How would you answer that question? Well, I would ask them what they, what, what they want to cheer for. Like, do you, do you want to, you know, it gets at the heart of fandom. Do you want to cheer for a good team? Do you want to cheer for a possibly great team one day? Like some people just, it, I don't begrudge anybody. Like if you're just somebody that says, I want to see a team that works, works hard, plays hard. And like, as long as we are competitive night in and night out, we might not be the best team, but we have, you know, I know that I can be proud of the team that I support. That, that means a lot to some people. And like, I don't begrudge that. So if that's important to you, like go all in and like root for them, live and die about this young team. And, you know, you mentioned Harrington saying you never know when a team's ceiling hits its ceiling. Like you, you know, they, they surprised me last year. I did not think they were going to be good last year. And it is all jaw. Like that kid is just special. And if you like, I have purposely like bent myself to the long term because I like thinking about the transactions and the, you know, the, the nerdy stuff about stuff, you know, but I'm not, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. If, if the other things are important to you, like, root for that. Like I, I want the team. I still believe that the judge here like, yeah, they might have injuries that curtail their seasons and like their careers. And we may never see like their peak forms, but like I'm betting on that. Like I've already seen the great, the good team that I love, like in the grit and grind Grizzlies, like that team, I will never see a team. Probably I shouldn't say this because this team's awesome. The team we have now is awesome. We have a bunch of, a great group of guys, but I loved those grit and grind teams. Mm. And I, that collection of players was so unique and I had so much respect for them. Like I, I just knew they were going to play hard 
<laughs> until the fourth quarter when they started, they took their foot off, foot off the gas and they ended up turning a 15 point win into a five point win or whatever, every single time. Right. Like, but, but seriously, like that team was so unique. And I, I, I did that. Like I'm, I, we have a superstar and I want to get as many other awesome players with that superstar. And frankly, the best way to do that is if the team spikes another lottery pick, but I'm not going to be out here like rooting for tanking. Cause you know, like that's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm just, I'm just like, I'm watching the team every night and, and if they win, I'm fine. And if they lose, I'm kind of like fine because I know that next year, like we talked about earlier, like shit's going to change. It's going to be a different ball game. There, there's no more like, Oh man, I don't really care anymore. Like everybody's going to care. Jaw's going to care, you know? Yep. I mean, if Taylor, how long, how many losing seasons would Taylor Jenkins endure, you know, like yep. he, he could get, you know, the, the team, the front office could let him go. Um, so, you yeah. know, I'm kind of just, I'm enjoying the low stakes season just because it's going to be the last one for a while. And so that's, that's what I would say. Well, that Pick makes which, us feel better. Do what your heart tells you. Yeah, that makes us feel better because that's exactly what we've been telling people. We said, you know, this could be the very last time where a loss is a win and a win is a win. So, like, there, there's sure. a very rare, um, you know, period of time in a, in a team's uh, life cycle that that happens. So, um, glad to there hear it. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. If you could uh, just let people know, you know, where they can find you on, on social as well as Patreon. Sure. Um, my Twitter handle is the at the real Herdlicka, H-R-D-L-I-C-K-A. Um, and then uh, my my pinned tweet is my Patreon account. Um, and then I'm sure you can search it on Patreon. I actually don't know how. But uh, yeah, patreon.com. Uh, and uh, like I said, we it's $2 a month and we give at least half of it to charity every month. And I guess I should probably tweet out more like which charities I give it to because um, I have them all in a spreadsheet. And once it's in the spreadsheet, I, I choose to forget it because <laughs> then it's like, it's, it's one less thing I have to remember. You know yep. what I mean? Understood. <laughs> so, well, thanks yeah. again for joining us. You, you could stick around for just a couple seconds after we stop recording. Um, but sure. uh, thanks again. This has been great. All right, let's finish this thing out with some segments first we have grizz history moment guys did you know this isn't necessarily purely grizzlies but on this day one year ago the nba shut down its season we were at dude we were at el mezcal last this time last yeah, year literally this day when it literally this day we had mexican today yep as well we did brantley and i <laughs> Brantley and I were with our wives, and Brantley and I were on one side of the table, and our wives were on the other side of the table, and then we were all talking together, and then all of a sudden, everything got quiet, and Brantley and I just looked at each other for like three minutes, talked quietly amongst ourselves, and our wives were like, what just happened? I was like, this is it, man. The whole world is about to shut down. The NBA just canceled the games. It's over. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's exactly what I I think, said. yeah, Brantley called it. And it's true. Uh, I remember we... Did we go to the Magic game? We went to – well, we went to the Portland game right before the All-Star break. Yeah. Y'all went to a game together, We went to the Magic game on the 10th of March, and the 11th was when everything got shut down. Yeah. That, I mean – Because that game, the Magic game was, like, really soon. We lost, and it was, like, heartbreaking. It was a heartbreaking loss because 
uh, Fournier went nuts. Yeah, and Terrence Ross, Ross who's my just another Grizz killer. Favorite. Yeah. Um, T. Ross. But yeah, that's that was your Grizz history moment, <laughs> and now we're one year later, and uh, we're we're looking. Some up. of us are partially vaccinated. There you go. <laughs> we're one sixth. That's vaccinated <laughs> on this podcast. Um, all right, uh, let's move on to our NBA debate of the day. Um, Kevin O'Connor, who is referenced often on this podcast, he um, is just an NBA um, NBA talking head slash writer slash everything out there um, who can be constituted as an NBA uh, source. But he actually came out on a podcast this week and said that he would rank LaMelo Ball um, above John Morant, and there was one other player in that discussion, but it doesn't matter because KOC basically, uh, it's slander. Can we just agree on that? LaMelo Ball over John Morant is slander. I, before I get emotional... (laughs) Like I sort of understood yeah. the take. I can, I can. The body type, sort of the like shooting. I guess y- you would take a six eight person, six seven, six eight, whatever he is. And I just, I'm sorry, but Jaws, his athleticism changes it. It's different. Their passing to me. Let's just say they're both real excellent, excellent passers. Their their court vision is maybe let's say on the same level of elite. I just, I don't know why you wouldn't take the athleticism that Ja has over LaMelo, just even to start as like the first factor. I think this, yeah. So your point to shooting. So a year ago, I'm pretty sure Ja was shooting like 38% from three on low volume pre-bubble. And that's what LaMelo is doing. And half a season later, everyone says Ja can't shoot. And maybe he can't, but I'm not saying LaMelo can because it's a small sample size. It's been 30 games. I think it's Ja has proven so much. Ja has went toe-to-toe with Dame Lillard in that playoff slash play-in game. He put up 35 points, like like me versus Dame, let's do it. And Ja did it. And LaMelo is playing with a Charlotte team who's actually pretty good. You could yeah, argue he probably has more talent sure. now than Grizz did 100%. last year. 100%. There's no question. And Ja had to, like, Ja's offensive load is so heavy that literally every good thing has to come from him on the offensive end of the floor. And LaMelo, I just, LaMelo is not in the same light. Like, we didn't have a Gordon Hayward who is a fantastic, like, previous all star that can score and playmate. He didn't have Terry Rozier shooting 45% from three on like seven attempts a game. Or other first-round draft lottery pick talent around him. To me, it's not the same. And I'm not saying LaMelo's not not good. I don't really like LaMelo. I don't know why. He's he's good. But to put him in the same category as Ja and to say that you would rather have him going forward after the dude's played like 25 games in his entire career – to me, that's just like a big pump the brakes. But I love that they had both of them over Trey Young. That's honestly all that matters. That's the other player. <laughs> I think we can all agree that Trey's He's like third. Voldemort on this podcast. Yeah, anything <laughs> other than Trey Young is, is great news. Yeah. No, I thought it was interesting just because of the uh, – I mean, 
I think Jaw is very well established now. And Lamelo, like you said, it's just such a small sample size. And you like, if you're a Charlotte fan, you're pumped right now that you even have that. And so I'm not, again, it's it's not to say that Lamelo isn't going to be an all-star as well, but this is just way too soon. And the other thing that I just don't think that you can say that has been proven for from Lamelo yet is what I think Bill and Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe talked about on their podcast this past week of just like Ja ha- has clearly demonstrated he has that superstar it factor from a leadership perspective. And I don't know if we've seen that from LaMelo yet. Maybe people like him. Cool. They like him right now because they're winning and they're overachieving for what they were predicted to do before the season. But Ja has demonstrated a different level of leadership and ownership of this team that you cannot make that claim. That's stupid. I think, yeah, I think Kevin O'Connor has had a few interesting takes recently. He also did his power rankings, and I'm pretty sure the Knicks were like 10th and the Grizz were 18th, which is nuts to me because, yeah, maybe the Knicks are – technically in like a top I guess what would it be like five seed right now or something like that um so yeah, they're the four like, seed but like they're three games so guess what their record is so they're the four seed in the east and they're 19 and 18 so one game above 500 oh crazy the Grizz are also one game above 500 we have essentially the same record but like if the Grizz were in the east how high on those power rankings would we be like to have the Knicks seven spots above the Grizz in the power rankings is absurdity. Like, that's just really rough. So yep. this is a point that of proving that just all of his takes are not good. <laughs> Don't listen to him. You all said Killian Tilly is the number one ranked draft Killian possibly. Hayes. Killian Hayes. Sorry, Killian Tilly should have been. Yeah, yeah, Grizz. He is number one. <laughs> Always will be. For the hustle. All right. Um, now let's get to a um, our snake draft of the day uh we are going to be drafting uh we're calling it our nba wotes uh it's our the current current players that oh are, current did we establish current yeah we did damn it <laughs> you were the one who said current active. okay current okay my active. bad my bad my bad does that do you need a, a minute no 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 no. i've got some current you ones on plenty. here okay well here's what's gonna happen ty is gonna have the second pick we're gonna do two rounds um and now Brantley and I are gonna do a live rock paper scissors two out of three to see who gets to pick whether they go first or third. Okay, so ready? Rock paper scissors shoot. Rock paper scissors shoot. You All go right, first. One zero. Oh, two out you, of three. You just got it. You, you got sure? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I get to pick whether I go first or third though. Sure. Yeah. I'll go first. Yeah, because I know you're gonna take Trey Young. <laughs> I'm gonna take yeah, Trey Young. The first it's pick. Easy, oh. the easiest pick of the century. Trey Young is the woat. Okay, and I think everybody in my position would take Trey Young as the number one woat of the NBA because he's just a little rat. Okay, <laughs> you can't spell Trey without rat. I love this so much. He is. Keep going. Listen. Tell us more. My uh, a theme in my woats is that they manipulate the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they. It's a good criteria. They are in that's outside of the spirit of the sport. Like. If you have to rely on the referees to call BS fouls, and that's a major part of your game, I hate you. <laughs> Ty, you have the second pick. 
Man, so I had a few. So they're current, but they're not really relevant anymore to the Grizz, at least. But they used to be very relevant. Strong. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is probably not great, but so much confidence. That's so tough. Come on, I know. I have two names. So gotta just pick one. Okay, I'm gonna go from past experience and say Blake Griffin. Oh. Probably not as. I hated yes Blake Griffin. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And that will always forever be burned in my memory. Are you relishing in his demise? Not as much because that's, that's the thing. Like He hasn't been at Grizzlies relevant in True. several years. Since he got traded to the Pistons. He's never like... been the same player. He's never. But the whole Clippers Zebo sort of against Zebo, yeah. like that whole thing, I have never. He's always just been the worst to me. And now, like, he's kind of like a, I don't know, like, I hope he does well in Brooklyn. That's fine. But, like, gosh, he, oh, man, he was the worst. Brantley, third pick. You got three and four. Yeah, so the current players thing, um, <laughs> I man, I have such a good list. So We'll go through the list. I know, after. I know, I know. Okay, so I, I'm just going to follow the Blake Griffin with Chris Paul. Uh, I can't, I don't respect list. his game. Yes. And, like, I don't – I know he's really good and he's going to be a Hall of Famer and blah, 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 but I can't watch him. I can't watch him on any team. I hate the Suns. I sort of want to <laughs> like the Suns a little bit, but I can't stand them. And it's because he's leading their team and I don't I, – he's slow. And the, he plays – I just – there's nothing about him that I enjoy. Like, I had – I flipped on the All-Star game and I saw that he was playing and I just turned it off because I couldn't – I couldn't stand mm. him watching. Um, and just for comedic relief, my, my next quote, he still is technically current, even though he's not in the NBA is Andrew Harrison. And I'm not sorry oh. <laughs> because Former I Grizz Andy watching Andrew Harrison. That's play. such a good pick. And it represents everything that's wrong with the former yes. Grizzlies regime. And, as soon as he was off our team, he immediately was ineligible to play anywhere Ooh. on the North American continent. He was starting on the Grizzlies for a while. He, I know Conley was hurt, whatever. But he was so he downtrodden should, and just... He couldn't shoot. Oh, he couldn't shoot. He couldn't pass. And he was He couldn't horrible. really dribble. He was horrible. It was it. It just made me just despise the did Grizzlies. You, did you happen to Google him to see? If yes, he's playing in China. Okay, so so well, hey, you, keep listen, getting them checks, Andy Harrison. We're gonna allow it. He's playing for Even the Beijing Royal Fighters. I bet they're good. I wonder if he's starting. Probably not. I don't know. I'm sorry if Andrew Harrison. If you're listening to this, you could probably take me out in any moment you want in an actual live <laughs> basketball game, but I could not stand watching you play basketball. All right, Ty. He had a great chase down block at one point in the in a playoff series that we ended up getting highlight. swept, but it was still awesome. <laughs> so there's a few there's a few like random guys that I just hate playing like they're just punks and they're just dumb. Like Bertans is one of Bertans is one of them. What if that was my pick? It might have been. I'm gonna let that slide. I'm not. I'm not claiming him. Okay. Um, so I think a very obviously <laughs> obvious. He one. is the one that brought up this discussion, yeah. though, based yeah. on watching him play for the Wizards. That's night. true. We texted him. We were like, "Man, he's the worst." Yeah. So 
I think James Harden is my is my other one. Thank you for it's, making mine easy. I was between okay. Harden and one other. So Harden again, it really stems to, from Rocket days, mm. and I hated watching him play. I hated the way he played. Manipulates the game. And he, yes, and I hated playing against him. And honestly, he's like what makes it worse is he's amazing. He's incredible. So like he's annoying as hell, but he's also crazy freaking good. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually liked him on the Thunder. Before, I don't remember those he, days. And then when he got traded, twenty twelve finals. Yeah, he was like, he I was like, well, man, I really like that guy. We had a chance to draft him. I kind of wish he was. Oh gosh. I was like, heck no, I don't want that guy. He's the woke. He yeah, he's just so hard to root for, and he just man, just no, just no. I love it, uh, man. I, I these have been besides Andrew Harrison, of course. <laughs> these have been pretty high profile. Guys. I hate Pat Bev too. He's the worst. What if he was my pick, Ty? You always Ty, do you this. Can't just keep you really throw out Andrew We're really Harrison. Glad that you have lots of guys you don't like, Ty. You're so cool. All right, hey, so mine. There is a little bit of Grizzlies history uh, with this guy, but I really despise. Um, Fake tough guys, Marcus Morris oh, is my pick. The worst. That is a good one. The I, fake tough guy. I just can't stand like the Knicks game last year. The worst. Crowder, Alfred Payton too, just gotten that. I'm like, what? Do you, like, honestly, I, I get it. Like, I get that there is a world in which he is the tough guy on your team, but it never seems like it's genuine to the point where you're actually. Like, the guys who are really tough don't have to remind you that often that they are in such a animated way that they don't have to, like, yeah. Like, you don't have to talk about it. Like Zebo. Zebo, you didn't, didn't have to. Uh-uh. Like, it just, they walk in a room and you know. But yeah. the Morris twins, like. I think Marquise has realized he's just not good enough to have any right. credibility in the league. But Marcus still thinks he is. But Marcus just got paid, so he thinks. Like, the whole thing with Luca too. Oh, yeah. All these guys in the league know who I am. I got respect from everybody in the league. And then when he, Jay Crowder, he said Jay Crowder had woman-like tendencies. Yep. He was canceled for sure. Gosh. Uh, the pits. All right, so we got Trey Young, Marcus Morris, Andrew Harrison, Chris Paul, <laughs> Andrew Harrison. and Blake Griffin and James Harden. That's Everybody a has normal picks. <laughs> I had to go. The one that I was deciding between Oman, it was either going to be Andrew Harrison, I was thinking Hassan Whiteside or Matt Barnes. Ooh, Hassan but Matt Whiteside. Barnes is not a former one. Matt Barnes I, Matt Barnes is so lovable he's, he when he's on your team. He yes. was lovable in the Grizzlies, but he was the worst. He's yes. one of the best shots in Grizzlies history. That's yeah. true. I love I love Matt Barnes pre Grizzlies was on that list for me. Yeah, he was pre Grizzlies. He was Ken Stanley. Yeah. I also had I think one more on here that didn't oh well Kevin Durant when he went to the Warriors, that was he ruined the NBA for three years. So mm-hmm. I mean but he's not like a hateable guy now. You know? There's he's a lot of guys him. that aren't hateable, but I like like I hate playing against CJ McCollum. Because yeah. I just know That's he's just gonna list. hit daggers on daggers. That's but yeah, I don't killer. I don't hate him. He's just yeah. Grizz killer. Yeah, you're right. still working on that analysis, right? On pretty oh, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be in by next year. <laughs> okay, good. Um, next year. All right, so we got a few more top Is shot. Andrew updates. Harrison, a Grizz, <laughs> Grizz killer. He's not in a, in a in way a, in a backwards way. Uh, okay, so top shot update. Basically, what's happened is um, I have been able to secure a pack or two packs actually. One pack is coming. Mm. One pack I have purchased, and it was a Rising Stars pack. It came with three moments. I paid $10 for it and sold the cards for 250 bucks total. 
Let's go. So I invest. So we I invested five hundred bucks, bought and then which included buying two packs and some moments. And so I technically am up two hundred bucks, but then reinvested it right. into some moments. And the market is currently down. So if you were like to look at my thing, it's like not looking great, mainly because my John Morant moment has just bitten um, the floor and it's just gone down. But that's just sort of market volatility. So I am pretty excited. My brother, Andrew Big Money, has gotten really good at flipping moments and stealing um, really terrible things that get posted and immediately flipping them for um, cash in terms of on uh, the Top Shot um, piece. I will not say how much money he is in because it is more than me and I think he has a problem. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, Andrew, this is an intervention. You need to stop. Cool. No, but I've got, I've got uh, you know, two BCs now. I've got a John Morant. I've got the one D'Anthony Melton moment. Um, I've also got a Victor Oladipo um, limited edition, uh, 300 out of 4,000. So like that kind of lets you know from a mint perspective, like there's a couple other that I have uh, RJ Barrett and Jamal Murray that I'm sort of holding long term. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, we're thinking, okay, who are some players that might get value increased their card, their moments are only worth X now. But if like Oladipo gets traded to a contender, he's going to skyrocket. Maybe we can put them later. So that's kind of where we are. But yeah, if the whole process of getting a pack I'll end here. It's interesting. It's like there's, you know, 250,000 accounts um, on Top Shot, sort of whenever you look, you know, that's kind of the rounding number. They'll say like, hey, we've got 35,000 packs, get in a line, and you're randomly assigned a number, and you might get a chance to buy the pack. That's it. And then they don't release anymore. So like one time, Andrew and I got lucky, and we both were able to buy a pack, and that's kind of your way to get some moments on the cheap or mm. sell them make some money mm-hmm. and then move on. So, all right. So we're holding right now. Yeah. We're in some, we're, we're in some long term holds eventually to the moon. But yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. I've got my eyes on some other ones, but that's where we're at. All right. Bet of the week. Ty. I'm excited. Go for it. It's, it's just the longest of shots, but I'm pumped. Go for it. So it. when we, when we started doing the, uh, the, f- we're not sponsored by FanDuel, but FanDuel sponsors us. Uh, the futures team futures. Um, that's kind of the the lane we're in. Yep. So I looked at just championship odds. Lakers are the favorite plus two eighty. Brooklyn, who I think all three of us think have a really good chance at winning it, maybe the favorites if everything's healthy. Plus three hundred. Clippers plus five fifty. Bucks plus seven fifty. Utah plus eight fifty. And then the Sixers at plus twelve hundred. To win it all. I'm going Sixers plus 1,200 to win everything. I don't like that bet. Why I like it is Embiid may be the best player in the league right now. In a playoff series in the East, they're going to have to get through Brooklyn and Milwaukee. They can defend Milwaukee pretty well. I think they match up there. I think Brooklyn's going to have a really hard time defending Embiid. And I think... As other people have mentioned, Ben Simmons can guard, probably not eliminate either Durant or Harden, but could guard him really well. They have other wing defenders to throw at them, and then Embiid is just a terrible matchup for Brooklyn. They have literally no one to guard him. And I think once you get to the finals, it's the finals. I think crazy stuff can happen. 
So I that's, think if if the Sixers can make value. it there, it's very good value. If the Sixers can make it, I think they have a chance to win it. A because Embiid is really that good, and I think their defense is great. And I think if you have a really good defense, you always give yourself a chance in the playoffs. So yeah. that's where I'm leaning. I'll, I'll say this, Ty. You taking that bet means if it hits, you will probably win this contest. I'll win twelve dollars. So you're, you're, you're taking a a shot here. Bucks. I don't know. All right, Brantley, what you got? So, um, I don't think it counts. Maybe for the contest for me to do two, but I did do two. <laughs> do and do I'm going to do the one that I want to be official. Perfect. And that is going to be. Um, the Charlotte Hornets to outright win the Southeast Division, currently Ooh. at plus 700 odds. They're one game back from the Heat. Um, they're competing mm. with the Heat, Hornets, Hawks, Wiz, Magic. So basically it's between the, it's a two-team race, Heat and Hornets. I think the Hornets are going to be buyers at the trade deadline. There's been rumors that they might be in the Vucevic um, uh, trade scenario. I think that there's a, the Heat have kind of been a weird team this year, although they have started looking a little bit better as of late. And I don't know. I think the Hornets are going to be kind of having this momentum Another type value, scenario. What is plus seven hundred? You plus said plus seven hundred. So mm. hundred bucks to win seven hundred. All right. What's the other one? The other one that I just sort of liked, just based on injuries, is that the Phoenix Suns to outright win the Pacific Division. Dude, they're currently tied. It's plus three thirty. Yep, that's the one. That's my bet. So you talk about it. Yep. So Phoenix to me, I was looking at the board. Um, I have Brooklyn in in the bag for championship. Uh, could dip it back into those waters, but I wanted to go ahead and lock down Phoenix because right now AD's out. Uh, LeBron is amazing. However, he needs AD on that team. Uh, the Clippers, I just don't see a scenario where I would be comfortable betting the Clippers on something like a division win because I think they're also a team that is less concerned with the regular season, more concerned with the playoffs um, because nobody's going to care what they do in the regular season. And I think that the Suns are all up there. They've put themselves in a position. They're number two seed in the, in the West right now, uh, right behind Utah. Um, they're leading that division. And I think that with Chris Paul at the helm, uh, they know what they have to do. The best chance of them making a deep playoff run is getting a high seed as possible. And so I think that is going to be enough of a driving force. And I don't, it's more so a hedge against the AD and Clippers volatility is all yep. it is. Yep. So. Yeah. I think the Suns have value and I think they're trying to, I think home court and a high seed really matters to them. Yeah. More so than the Lakers and the Clippers. Agreed. And I think when you have two of your best players, two of your top five for sure, maybe even three of your top five, and if you add Michael Bridges, they're all young, and they're probably going to play every game, and they're going to play all back-to-backs, and they're not going to take any nights off. Yeah. So they're going to be full squad. Did you say Michael Bridges? Because I love it. Michael. <laughs> I don't even know how the Bridges. best is to, to pronounce it, but Mikael. I love Michael. Michael. I think it's Michael. I think it I is Michael. Michael. Michael Bridges. I don't know. McCall. I just love it being like a... My cow, come on the pod and tell us, man. My cow. Um, All right, next games. We got Nuggets tomorrow night or tonight, if you're listening. Uh, Then we are at the Thunder on the 14th, at the Suns on the 15th, home against the Heat 
on the 17th, and then a back-to-back against the Warriors, both against the Warriors on the 19th and the 20th of March. Uh, guys, let's finish out this pod with Hammer, Nail, Coffin. What are you going to be looking for in these next six or so odd games? If we finish the regular season 500, what, where's our standing at the end? I think we're in the play-in. Tubbs? Feels about right. What seed? In the West. 36 and 36. In the West, I would say probably nine. Brantley? I don't know. I'm going to say maybe the 10. Yeah, it's nine. It's it's right there. It's I, don't think you're in the, I don't think you're in the top eight with a 500 in the West. Barring injury. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what, what I'm watching looking? for. Okay, cool. You're looking forward to how we become 500. How we? I'm just. I'm trying to. So you want to win one night and lose the next? Not necessarily, but I think that's. I think that's what we're going to end up doing. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think if I had to bet my life on it, I think we would end the season at 500, and I'd want to know where that puts us. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in the future. If we finish 500, where are we? Um, And I agree. I think we're nine ten seed in the play-in. Uh, For me, it's going to be – I think you're seeing this across the league with a lot of teams. At least it was this way in the first half of the season where it was just sort of weird volatility and, like, um, point differential, like win and losses. Um, We're seeing that tonight with the Pelicans just getting absolutely just blown out by the T-Wolves. Like, what in the world? Um, So that really hasn't happened with the Grizzlies the past three to four games. Um, We've had some of those moments. I'm going to be curious on this next stretch – where we're going against some pretty decent teams between, you know, Nugs, Suns, Heat, Warriors. Like, are we do we get blown out in those ever, or are we sort of really moving towards being competitive in all of them? Because I feel like that, you know, really Nuggets, Warriors, Heat, we should be highly competitive in all of those and potentially beat the Thunder. Yep, agreed. Uh, my hammer nail coffin is John Morant. I think that we've seen um we've seen good and bad from Ja. Um bad is just after a loss. Uh again, he doesn't have Jaron, but I've seen sort of some worrisome body language from Ja and I just hope that it's something that is very temporary and more so his frustration is is purely out of losing and not necessarily out of frustration with situation um and so i'll be i mean jaw is just on a hot streak to end all hot streaks right now so um he looks like he's having a blast but um young team it's really easy to go way up and way down and i'm going to be watching jaw to see you know he doesn't have a jay crowder anymore in the locker room to be a stabilizer he's going to have to step up and be that and so um i'm looking to see uh, jaw and how he how he reacts to wins and how he reacts to losses and hoping that he can uh he can step up here uh, and take this team to new heights um thanks for joining us this has been a packed episode but a lot of fun thanks again to matt um guys the trade deadline is two weeks away um march 25th we'll be back probably right around then um to give our you know predictions maybe throw out some trades um or right after we're not quite sure our schedule yet 
but thanks for joining us, um, and we will talk to you next time.